we are going to discuss on the decline of Roman Empire. The internal crisis of the Roman Empire coincided with escalating pressure by barbarian tribes on the frontiers. Some of these tribes penetrated and took over several parts of the empire thereby completing the process of its downfall. Some historians believe that Roman raids forced some of the Germanic tribes to organize themselves for warfare on a permanent basis and that this factor acted as catalyst for state formation among the Germanic tribes. In the first half of the 3rd century CE, two confederations of northern Germanic tribes, the Alamanni and the Franks, were the most formidable adversaries of the empire on the Rhine frontier. The Danuvian frontier was threatened by another group known as the Goths. But the decline of Roman Empire is explained in various ways. There are several interpretations of the same. We would discuss all these reasons and their relative importance to understand the decline of the great empire and try to find out that how far was the invasion of the Germanic tribes responsible for the decline of Roman Empire. The expansion of the empire had created conditions for the development of the slave mode of production. Following the death of Trajan in CE 117, no new territories were added to the empire. Consequently, there were fewer opportunities for capturing slaves in large numbers. According to the estimates of A. H. M. Jones, slave prices in the 2nd century CE were 8 to 10 times higher than in the 2nd and 1st centuries BCE. The empire was ravaged by plague in CE 165 and again in CE 250. G. E. M. Stay Crooks has argued that by the 2nd century CE, it was no longer profitable to invest in slaves. He suggests that slave owners sought to improve the chances of reproduction by encouraging male and female slaves to develop loose family bonds. Such slaves began to form matrimonial and kingship ties among themselves and ceased to be mere commodities. Many of the landowners did not any longer directly organize production on their latifundia but entrusted this task to slave families which were attached to small plots and had to give a part of their produce to their owners. Roman law had a provision which entitled slaves to own some property called picalium. Manumission was a formal act and required a legal declaration. Steve Crooks point out that in the long run slave breeding was less profitable than slave capture. The inevitable consequence is that the propertied class cannot maintain the same rate of profit from the slave labor and to prevent its standard of living from falling, 
is likely to be driven to increase the rate of exploitation of the humbler free population. Due to the crisis in the slave mode of production, the government restored to short-term solutions like debasement coinage to meet its growing financial commitments. The silver denarius had been devaluated by 15% under Trajan. Marcus Aurelius further devaluated the denarius by 6%. The supply of gold and silver had become more or less static by the end of the 2nd century CE. As a result of debasement of coinage during the last quarter of the 3rd century CE, there was a 1000% rise in overall price levels. It was not feasible to go on increasing the rate of taxation beyond a certain point. Eventually, by the 4th century CE, the government began paying salaries in kind in the form of rations of food and clothing. The monetary crisis was just one of the factors which contributed to the decline of trade in the latter Roman Empire. What is more, the Mediterranean was the geographical center of the Roman economy and all major towns were located on or very close to the coastline. The establishment of Pax Romana had given a boost to long-distance seaborne trade. The prosperity of ports like Ostia or Otus was directly linked to the status of Rome as the foremost center of consumption in the Mediterranean. But by the 3rd century CE, the aristocracy was no longer interested in residing at Rome or in its vicinity and moved to estates in the countryside of Italy, Gaul and Spain. Exchange would have been localized in nature and except for the luxury sector, we are really dealing with petty commodity production. The Vig Latifundia themselves had stimulated economic self-sufficiency, especially when they were situated at some distance from major centers of habitation. It was one type of decentralization and also a reason behind the crisis of the empire. By the 2nd century CE, the possibilities of further expansion of the empire were exhausted. Military organization on such a gigantic scale necessitated heavy taxation by the state. A. H. M. Jones has called this high rate of taxation as overtaxation. Free grain distribution was also a big drain on the resources of the government. The collection of these taxes required a large administrative apparatus. To this, we must add to need to have a huge centralized bureaucracy to govern the empire. The state tried to ensure that it received the full revenue demand by holding the tax collectors called decarions or curiolis responsible for its realization. In the Principate, the civic administration of urban centers was entrusted to municipal councils called Curia. 
With the passage of time, the municipal councillors became a hereditary group and by the end of the Principate, hereditary municipal councillors were usually referred to as curialists. But the oligarchy refused to pay taxes and even gave protection to the peasants against imperial tax collectors through the system of patrocinium. This accelerated the process of disintegration in the West. It was a serious crisis that affected the empire. According to some scholars, the Germanic invasions were responsible for the decline of the empire. But during the 1920s, Alphonse Dobbs put forth the thesis that Germanic invasions did not represent a complete break with the past and that the Germanic states continued with the traditions of the Roman Empire. In his work titled Economic and Social Foundations of European Civilization, he argued that the Germanic states assimilated and preserved Roman institutions at a time when the state had broken down in the West. The Germanic tribes therefore performed the historical task of nurturing the great achievements of Roman civilization. The Germanic societies adopted several features of Roman society which modified their own social structures. The real value of Dobbs's work lies in its focus on the continuities between structures of the later Roman Empire and the first Germanic states. Dobbs highlights the fact that the Germanic invasions transformed Germanic societies themselves more than Roman society. The Ostrogoths, the Visigoths and the Burgundians introduced the system of hospitalitas through which Germanic landowners found a place in the rural economy. Hospitalitas was a system by which Roman landowners were forced to extend hospitality to Germanic warrior chiefs and clan leaders. The process of depressing the status of the independent Germanic peasants was facilitated by the presence of Roman colonai and serfs on the portions of the estates taken away by the Germans. The administrative and judicial apparatus evolved by the states formed during the first phase of Germanic invasions was marked by dualism, that is, a sort of dual system of government emerged. The Germanic settlers were governed by their own laws and customs. Roman law influenced and modified Germanic laws. The dualism of the Germanic states allowed Roman institutions to flourish for some time even after the Roman Empire had come to an end in the West. A second phase of Germanic invasions destroyed end to this dualism and had a more devastating effect on the Roman social structure. It was in the second phase that the foundations of classical European feudalism were laid. The story is different. So this is the end of our today's discussion. Listen our podcast for any query, feel free to mail us.